Okay, welcome to episode 57 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Show. My name's Tony Esmond, and every week I invite a co-host to talk through a comic subject of their choice. This week, it's the return of that co-host, the man who knows what comics lurk in the hearts of men, brackets and women. Yes, it's Alan Henderson. Hello, Alan. How are you, mate? Hello. <laughs> you like your new intro? I'm taking some pride oh, in writing yeah. them now. Yeah, it's my new thing. We used to change for the Penguins references, so now I'm confused yeah, with that. There you yeah. go. I thought you liked yeah. that one. Yeah, good. Um, okay, so how many times have you been on now? This is six, is it six? I'm this saying? is six. Good. So, yeah, my, my, my next appearance is free, which is good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or it comes with a coffee, actually. That's really the very feeling. Yeah. And a quick rub. So, yeah, no. Yeah, no, it's been, yeah, been good for that. And we've, we've, we've properly uh, oh, mate, yeah. traversed the. Um, the, the the world of, of of comic and panelology. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't so yeah. realise. Now we're gonna. I'm gonna ask you what it is from what you told me in a minute. But for the moment, I didn't realise you weren't such a Marvel fan. The you're 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 very much on the DC side of things. Is that because of the, oh, we've talked about this before? Is that because the distribution in Scotland was better for DC? Do you think? Um. No, I think it's more to do with the sweet spot of when I got back in or when I got into american comics if you like which was very much around the the timing of this particular book as well oh, which okay. would be um sort of the 1988-1999 where you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a bat logo yeah and i think at that point it was a case of getting into the batman titles and having a restricted budget um okay. meant that you'd you 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 with DC. Um, there was a lot of fucking Batman then as well, wasn't there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You had Legends um, of the Dark Knight. You had all the Shadow of the Bat came out around that time as well, didn't it? And uh, yeah. yeah, and I think at that point in time as well, X Men was basically impossible to jump on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, or you know, it was able to. You were able to jump on it several years later. I think when um, the you know, the Jim Lee stuff came out, the the new X Men titles. Okay. But but essentially, you know, and by that point in time, as I say. I was still a student, and uh, so therefore I could only, you know, you know, you only had so many pennies to spend, uh, and so I became very DC focused, and then just never really transferred over to okay. to Marvel in in a big way. Um, it, yeah, so that was more. That's more how it happened. Yeah, okay, yeah. There was no real. That makes sense. Design. Yeah, and if there's ever a character that you know you can jump in and live and swim amongst, it's the bat, isn't it? Let's face it. Mm. Yeah, in that universe. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, just so I've, I've, we were chatting on the WhatsApp early in the week, and I suddenly it just occurred to me that we'd never really talked about a Marvel book, and, and you were saying, "Well, no, you know." Um, so for today, what have you chosen for us to talk about? So we're going to start by talking about a book that is hailed for being something that it isn't, yeah. where most people assume that the artist is also the writer, yeah. but isn't, and it's a book that has a movie adaptation where the only relationship between the movie and the book seems to be the costume. And that, yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Um, and that book is, and if I give it its formal title, yep. is Gotham by Gaslight, an alternative history of the Batman. Great. Good stuff. Now, um, I think it's fair to say that beyond that, we're going to talk about a couple of other else. We got a bit carried away, didn't we, as usual? Yeah. We, we read a load of other stuff, which we then kept messaging each other with pictures of. Um, so if I go if I go through the three points, here, Hail yeah. for being something it isn't. Okay. It's not the first Elseworlds book. It's not. Yeah. However, however, it was a book that led to Elseworlds. Um, it is um, 
Brian Augustine and Mike Magnola as the primary creators. Yep. But obviously, I think in retrospect, everybody remembers Magnola and everybody forgets Augustine. Yeah, no, he um, continued with it, didn't he, Augustine? I think he wrote, did he write the second yeah. one? Yeah. So he wrote the, yeah. the follow up to it. And, um, and it was obviously a, a mainstay at, at DC at that point in time in terms of not just being a writer, but actually being one of the major editors. Yes. Yeah. Um, which actually makes another connection to me because he was the editor on the Shadow Strikes. Oh, okay, cool. Which makes, uh, which yeah. to be fair, I didn't know about until I started researching this in terms of yeah. putting it all back together again. And I, oh, that's a, a, nice, a nice connection that I didn't yeah. know. He's, he's yeah. um, one of those sort of working guys, isn't he? One of those working comic guys who who doesn't sort of blar it everywhere. But like you say, he was an editor at DC Comics. He was an editor at Now Comics. Um, he was an editor of a 1986 book called Troll Lords you've ever heard of that um and he also edited now do you remember this i think you probably will the impact line i have a box in the loft that has <laughs> yeah the whole of the impact the, the impact line is is a lot better than people made it out oh it is yeah the fly is great um, the, the fly is the, great the, the mate parabet work on the fly is absolutely brilliant yep. because basically everything that's in there is what he went on to do in batman the anime uh, the animated yeah series very true actually, i never thought of that yeah you know it's very clean lines and the, yeah what was it the comet and the crusaders you know a great set of books that just didn't sell well because they were really badly promoted um but yeah no mike mike augustine was, was heavily involved in, in their introduction of that yeah i liked his stuff and he also wrote there was a great series called uh, black condor which i think was it yes. his first solo yes. series which is really good yeah 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 and he wrote crimson with umberto ramos which is very sort of fondly fondly thought of and he worked with um mark wade on the flash run um the, yeah. one, the one that just became just came before the grant morrison run so yeah yeah i think he's i think he's a dude i've got to be honest with you yeah i do yeah i think he's all right and um i think if there's did you watch the extras on the gotham by gaslight dvd mm, no i watched the digital version so okay right there's a bit where they talk about going to see mignola and i think mignola said oh they came to see me and no they they went to see him i think this is augustine talking and he says oh you know we got to do it and he says no nah, i've got to go to marvel got things to do got this to do got that to do and again come on jack the ripper versus batman what are you talking about yeah, and he went, basically, oh, okay. Mark, I understand it was Mark, Mark Wade and Augustine and that basically turned together. Right. Because, uh, yeah, obviously you said it's... What is Gotham by Gaslight? Gotham by Gaslight okay. is Batman versus Jack the Ripper. You're right. It's, it's, you know, what have you put the two of those together? Now, th this came about because um, Mark Wade was doing Secret Origins as, a, um, as an ongoing series with DC. Yeah. Where and you have to remember, this is DC just post crisis, um, sort of late eighties. So the, the the opportunity to do Secret Origins was there because everybody, you know, they were redoing everybody's Secret Origin post yeah. post crisis. And some it. people came to the fore. I remember reading um, those books and saying, "Oh, who's that?" You know, with all that sort of thing going on, wasn't it, with the big Perez spreads and yeah, stuff like that crisis? Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So the, there was there was loads of stuff from that, and as as part of that. Um, Wade and Augustine were, were trying to work out what to do next. And they kind of went, well, we've been doing these secret origins. What if we did alternative histories? Yep. And that's what it was originally going to be, was just going to be alternative histories. And they thought, oh, this is a great idea to go off and do a Batman annual with. So they took it to Dick Giordano, who said, that sounds like a great idea. Why are we wasting it on an annual? We should actually do a grab. In the, the introduction to the uh, the hardback, he said, well, why don't you go off and do a graphic novel? Um, and it ended up being this prestige format of Batman Gotham by Gaslight, which is, I think it's 52 pages long. Yeah. Um, 
telling the story set in the 1890s, um, 1880s, 1890s. And it is just that that piece of going, Bruce Wayne coming back from um, from his travels around the world, learning what he needs to learn, yeah. um, and then being Batman in, um, in in Gotham. And it happens to core, you know, happen at the same time as Jack the Ripper also turns up in Gotham. Now, you're a bit more of a Batman expert. Has has he ever come across Jack the Ripper before? Um, no, I'm going to say not. not yeah, I just wonder whether there's something in the the golden. You know, this he he came across pretty much everything else, didn't he? You know, sort of. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, well, certainly not in this. I mean, this was there had been alternative history books done in the past. This, you know, this was not the first in time that that dc had done its version of what if and obviously marvel had what if as well um i I do think there's a distinct slight difference in approach in that yeah i mean it's uh monetarily if anything else yeah when you heard of an elsewhere elsewhere's book you thought that's going to be prestige it's going to be a few quid but what if was more a sort of a just a thicker comic the, with Elseworlds and the, the DC alternative histories approach, it was more let, let's start everything from scratch, if yeah. you like. While what if was more of that sliding doors moment? Yeah. Of oh, you you've run to the end of the corridor. Do you turn left or you turn right? Hey, or or is um does Spider-Man choose to capture? Uh, you know, what, yeah. Yeah. What if what if Electra in... hadn't been killed by Bullseye? Yeah. There's yeah, all that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah it's more definitely. it's more simple sliding sliding doors piece. So there, there's a subtle difference between the two there. Um. Though it is interesting if you look at the timeline of when Water stopped and then when it restarted again, it actually aligns with Elseworlds coming back. Oh, to the okay. Fort. I don't enjoy. I didn't enjoy the second series of What If so much. I think the first one's is is real class. There's some really good stuff going on there, and they chose mm. some really interesting bits. There's a great Master of Kung Fu issue, mm. etc. Et but there's a great Conan issue. But yeah, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's so, there's a history of that in there. You know. Yeah. So so that's a lot of the positioning of it. And I think, as I say, people look at this and go, "Yeah, it's this is you know Magnola," and but we have to actually think about when this was in you know, Magnola's career, because this is this is five years before Hellboy, yeah, appeared at all. You know, so it's it's it, he's still re- you know he's a, a a relative youngster when when this all happened. He'd only really done one major book at this point. Um, which was called Make Odyssey. Yeah, which is um, a great book. Love that. Yeah, also it, prestige yeah. format, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a four four mini series that came out in prestige format. Um, and what he was really known for at DC, if you like, is is basically a cover artist. At that yeah, point. he did Death in the Family and stuff like that, hadn't he? Previously, I've actually yeah. got a page of he inked. So he inked over Alan, over um, Alan Kupperberg. Get mixed between Paul right. Kupperberg. Oh, Alan. Alan was the artist when he brought yeah. was right. Yeah. yeah, over Alan Kupperberg's art on a Master of Kung Fu page, which we only, only sort of dis- discovered after I'd bought it, fortunately, off a dealer for one hundred and twenty-five dollars in New York <laughs> in nineteen ninety-eight. But uh, yeah, he was. Um, he did quite a lot of inking. I think he inked some Alpha Flight stuff. He, he did a few things, I think, back then yeah, before yeah. switching to DC. Oh, yeah. yeah. So th- this was a real breakout. So yeah, obviously, Cosmic Odyssey was a big, big book at the time being a you know um jim stalin wrote, written it and it was it was a weird one for dc because it was another reintroduction of the fourth world um characters and yeah. trying to bring together the dc universe and the fourth world universe um and uh, you know it, it, it is a great standalone book in its own right for that yeah but i think when he became you know really well known to you know by, by actually having a book that was properly standalone it was this gotham by gaslight 
And that's why I think a lot of people think, because he went on to write Hellboy, people assume that Mignola also wrote Gotham yeah. by Gaslight. And not and only Tony did Gale. he not write Gotham by Gaslight, he didn't ink it either, which I think is important to no. remember. Yeah. Which, and I must admit, I, I had... Me? This, I, I blanked only, on that. Yeah. I had completely picking the book up and went, oh my God, P.K. Russell. Yeah, me too. This yeah, book. completely. Yeah. Um, which, I was like, that that, that, was a, that was a proper shot for me, because obviously he's... Um, He's in the same vein for me as some of the Mike Coulter stuff in terms of PK Ruggle. He's quite a, quite a, a lighter touch, while this is a so. very heavy, yeah. very heavy touch. But actually, if you look at a lot of the backgrounds, even if you just look at the cover here, you know the, the backgrounds are that very much that lighter touch. They really are, aren't they? Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, which again, it, it, to me, is quite Coulter-esque in, in terms of how I would tie things together in terms yeah. of, of the piece. Um, I also want to make sure that we don't forget um, talking about David Hornung. Okay, the colorist. Okay, right. Yeah, um, because I think the coloring in this is very important, and it's quite funny because last week, obviously, you were talking about bone and how bone was black and white, yeah. and then was colored, and it had a different piece. Now, Gotham by Gaslight has been reissued by DC and on, on several occasions and in several formats. And one of the formats they've actually put it out in is the black and white noir series of no, Batman books that. that they did. Okay. So essentially it's, you know, it's uncolored. It's the, so, you know, the, the pure lines, if you like. And I'm going to tell you, it's not as good. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right? Good. Yeah. It, actually, this, this is, you know, one of the occasions, this is definitely an occasion where the colorist has done an, an, an amazingly good job and actually adds to the storyline quite a lot so i definitely want, you know he's weird because not co- it's not colorist name that i actually recognize that well um, yeah i mean from, either from doing, yeah. from doing a lot of other work but um certainly want to make sure you you know you got praise for this because because it really when, when you look at the noir version it um it it loses an awful lot by by not having the, and this the coloring in. when you say coloring it's Colouring now is different from colouring then, and colouring then was different from colouring ten years beforehand. And this mm. is, um, he, they use a lot of single colours, don't they? So, for example, I'm looking at a page now, which is him sitting in the cell, um, and you've got a very grey wall, and then you've got brown hay on the floor, and it's, so it's not noodly colouring, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. It's, um, yeah. it's evocative of the era because it's that sort of drab. Victorian yeah. stuff. I mean, the whole colour palette of the book is is very. It's, it's an awful lot of brown in it, and a lot of beige in it, which is yeah. makes it sound a lot poorer than than you know. That's not really selling it to, to the listener, yeah. but it, it it is creating that that view of yeah you you know the the New York of the nineteen sorry the eighteen eighties the you know the gangs in New York type approach. Where yeah. Everything's just a little bit dirty. You know, there's lots of coal fires being burnt. There's smoke in the air all the time, and it, you know, crazy. And a lot of the stuff is up when they're indoors. The the lighting that's used is quite orange to give that effect of saying, well, actually, it's uh, you know, it's either going to be candlelight, which gives off an orange glow, or even it's gaslit, which is yeah. an orange glow. Um, so there's you know, it gives that feel to it as as, as well. Um, it makes it com- it, it complements Magnolia's line. That's the yes. flatter colour, doesn't it? If it was that sort of noodled, you know, shaded colour everywhere, or you know, the the cartoony colouring we get these days, it's um, yeah. it certainly wouldn't suit. It, I don't. Think. Uh, I I would not want to see this digitally coloured. No, God um, no. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, you could have all sorts of problems with it from that perspective. Yeah. Now, um, 
Jack the Ripper. So people who think, oh, Jack the Ripper in comics from hell. This is a long time before From Hell came out. Um, not a long time, but quite a time. Um, and Jack the Ripper had been something of, a, of a, an obsession during the 70s and 80s due to there's a Hammer movie, there's a the Sherlock Holmes movie. You know, there's all these sort of things. And, and then I think about three years before this, he'd appeared in an issue of Master of Kung Fu as quite a sort of vicious character. So... He'd been built up as a serial killer and not perhaps as more of the supernatural character that we kind of we kind of led into a bit more these days. You know, there's a sort of legendary supernatural status occasionally to him, you know. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's an interesting one as to whether or not there is... Actually, no, it's not. Uh, yeah, the other thing I suppose it's worth thinking about in that context, that on both sides of, of the Atlantic, throughout the 70s and, and early 80s, there were a number of uncaught serial killers or who were caught towards the end of that so i'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the yorkshire rippers yeah. as, as an yeah. example there in you know obviously you had um you know, the, the son of sam and all that sort of stuff over in, in america as well yeah so again i think there was the reason that the character kept getting brought back in that sort of time period is, was because there was a lot of reality <laughs> and people were going yeah. well let, let's overlay the two in terms of how, how it comes together um Maybe I'm just being a bit psychology 101 there, but I think there is something that you're probably in that about yeah. who the two things. I think as well, I haven't been a kid, and I think Edinburgh has that that effect as well. Is it's an old city back then, especially you know you walk in mm. the streets. There's that. There's still Victorian streets in London. There's a few left, you know. And back then in the 80s, there certainly were, and it wasn't a safe place to walk through in the middle of the night always. And you always used to see. I mean, I, I remember, God, when it would have been. 85 doing like a Jack the Ripper tour around the East End and stuff and you can still go on them now they're still very popular it's it's, it's still mm. he's still one of the celebrity serial killers isn't he you know yeah. the, people are are obsessed with him as that as shines out from what Alan Moore did around him um, yeah. yeah and this this to me seemed perfect Batman should be fighting him he's straight he's almost straight out of a Batman rogues gallery in a way you know Mr. Zaz or someone like that you know is that yes. a little bit of that isn't there you know Oh yeah, no. I mean, this, as I say, I think, that, and that's where I think it's an interesting use of the the original terminology here of saying this is an alternative history yeah. of Batman. This is not the the concept of, of the, the, some of the Else worlds that we'd go into later on, where it would be treating, <laughs> as you say, much more a supernatural thing, or yeah, you know, or it's that classic one. Oh, put Batman in space. Yeah, um, yeah. Go, Fucking, well, there's loads of Batman ones in there. Let's face no, it, at least half of them are yeah. Batman ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, th this is literally going, look, yes, we've got all the character tropes here. We're literally going to drop it into the yeah. 1880s, 1890s. And therefore, you've got that whole thing about saying... Because I mean, even the appearance um, of the Joker, which is quite early on, actually. Um, it depends which version you've got. But right. it's like on page six or something like that, which is the bottom, the very last panel. When when he first meets Gordon, oh, okay. when he gets yeah, back yeah, into yeah. it, and yeah. you know Gordon basically puts up a a poster of saying, look, there's there's somebody who's trying to to poison the town, and you know it's a, it looks like a poster of the, the of a wanted poster from the the 1880s, yeah. um, and it's the drawing of the the, the Joker, but it's actually really um, 
<laughs> or over the way call it so happy looking Jasper rather than calling him <laughs> the Joker. Um, but you know, again, that's quite fitting to go. Well, yeah, it is just somebody's trying to poison people, and they happen to the way that the the person who's done the wanted posters put a big smile on his face. Yeah. Um, again, it's all very fitting in terms of that. There's it, it, nothing feels jarred with regard to this to say how you know, why is Batman roaming the streets of um of, you know, as I say the, the late. Um, no, it feels it feels perfectly right. They're both they're both forces of nature. And thinking about it in a in a time wise a timeline, we now as we sit here in now two thousand twenty twenty, we are the same distance in time from Adam West's Batman, as the creation of Batman would have been from the actual Jack the Ripper. So it would still the actual Jack the Ripper would have still been in the public consciousness, you know, in the the stories told to kids. I would suggest in immigrants into New York when Batman yeah. was being created. So there's a t- the, the the gothicness was there, wasn't it? It was there at the creation of Batman, I think, and yeah. that's why it oh, suits. I think you know. Yes. Yeah. Perfectly from that perspective. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, man. Now, um, is there any any little moments? I mean, there's there's the one moment I would you know I always think is the best moment for me is when, <laughs> when he when he rides a fucking horse. I think that's just I just love that bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a few sort of interesting bits that are dropped through it. Um, I love the fact that quite early on, when he, he's talking about the fact he's been in his training and he, he's he's leaving um, Doctor Freud, yeah, um, which I thought was a nice sort of twist to, to do that. Right, isn't it? Yeah. The yeah. Um, the way that they use newspaper cuttings throughout, again to kind of set things in the time period. Um, I, I really love the way they, they do that, and, and in terms of how it's sort of overlaid and stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a couple of pages that are, as you say, there's the the reading the horse page, but there's a page where he is in the cell, okay. and it's just after one of the big wordy pages, and basically he's got all the clues stuck up on the wall. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, another one. And you've got because yeah. it's one of these things where I always. I always go back to the fact something that Bruce Tim once said and when, when talking about drawing Batman. Bruce Wayne has to be a big guy. Right? Yep. You can't you can you know, you take the suit off, he's still gonna be He's got a, a pair of shoulders guy. on him, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's just the the way this page is drawn, you know, given it's a it's a page that doesn't feature the back character or anything, it's Bruce Wayne um as a prisoner in in um the in Arkham. I say all the clues are up on the wall, but it's the the sort of hunched shoulders, the, still demonstrating the the weight of him as an individual. Um, it is really good in terms of that, and just the the emotion that that page then drives yeah. across to say, you know, I'm, you know, he's frustrated with the fact that he can't work out the the problem in terms of who the who the murderer is. And the framing is. of that first panel, that top panel, is is beautiful. It's yeah. just the light and everything, yeah. amazing. Yeah, I just love that. That's um that's Magnola. You know, there's. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's as good as that. Then you know, yeah, yeah absolutely and then brilliant. Two two pages on from that is possibly the classical Magnolia Batman standing in the shadows with the smoke coming yep. from the ground up and swirling around them, and the you know looking onto the um, the attempted murder taking place. That. Anybody saw that panel straight away would immediately go, "Yes, that's Magnolia," and then go, yeah. "Oh, what bat? What, what Batman suit is that?" You know, and then have to work out, out the fact that it's the the, the gaslight suit. 
Um, so I think you know, I think that is another panel that's just yeah, just it's brilliant. Yeah, that's a very iconic one. You often see that when it, you know, hundred best Batman stories. That's the one they'll often use, won't they? That's that's quite a common one. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're featuring mm. that one. Yeah, that is good. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right, man. Post Infinite Crisis. This was Earth 19. Um, the IGN listed the story as the 11th best Batman story. Um, it does make some comebacks. So there's there's two sequels. Is there? I'm right in saying. Um, uh, two appearances, yeah. So all of these, so Gotham by Gaslight was followed up by Master of the Future. Yeah, which is um, the one interestingly they have the Zeppelin in, don't they? Which makes an appearance in the animated movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Master of the Future is drawn by Eduardo Barreto. Yeah. Which has a beautiful clean line. I, I'm slightly disappointing as a as a story, um, partially because too much of it takes place in during the day. Right, okay. Well, right. everything in Gotham, not everything in Gotham by Gaslight, a lot of Gotham by Gaslight takes place at night, yeah. and therefore it's all heavy shadows and heavy this. Well, a lot of the Master of the Future takes place during the day because it's all about the World's Fair and yeah. and, and, and a lot of that. And um, it, it it's, you know, it's, it's just such a good enough story, but it's not as good as Gotham by Gaslight. Um, you're right, they then reconned the, the character, if you like, into the omniverse or multiverse of um when they re-established the dc multiverse and yep. earth 19 and then as part of the convergence storylines and then oh, Ray Palmer going through time yep. storylines as well they basically passed through that earth and and so there's a couple of short stories that, that associate to that as i understand it it's appeared in dark knight's metal as well although i'm not current with that series i've got a couple of hardbacks i need to dig into but I haven't caught up with it, but apparently it makes an appearance in that. Um, Given that, I, I, I've, to be honest, I've started to avoid it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is it, given that is everything it, else seems to be in that, it wouldn't surprise me. It is it in the, um, not the authority, what's the other characters, the authority who come up against Batman? Um, oh, um, I bought Danit for Christmas this year, last year. Planetary. Planetary. Is, is it planetary? Is, it, is the character in planetary Batman? Because I know they have all different iterations of batman don't they that he fights i can't remember i'm gonna i'm gonna have to pass on that yeah one. me too i'll have to pass on that it just suddenly yeah. occurred to me yeah sorry about that one yeah that that just but, occurred to me yeah um but these, these, are, these are the primary appearances where yeah. you know, where he's actually got story to tell if you will um and it appears as a character to to talk through um and i mean you know, the, the the design here has been taken and, and run with because it, you know it appears as skins within the the various batman arkham games oh okay um, right you know so you can you can fly around arkham actually wearing the the the, the gaslight costume uh, okay. and um you know it, and that's probably why as i say it also led to the animated movie yeah now um, the animated movie i sent you a picture of this cover to it and said i'm going in wish me luck yeah um, and then we both watched it didn't we and we both yeah. we were actually kind of okay with it we kind of liked it didn't we i'm right in saying See, i i had watched it previously and then kind of forgotten about it and that's yeah. because some of the batman animated movies of that point weren't very good yeah but having actually having re-watched this one it you know it actually was and then it was partially as well because i was going in and i got myself really confused sort of like 10 minutes in going this bears no resemblance to the book I'm yeah <laughs> who's who's meant to be the villain in this yeah because it's it would now for those that don't know um this book is um a whodunit and yeah. we're not going to spoil it because the the comic has a different villain, it unmasks, you know, Scooby-Doo villain as the movie does. I'm not sure the movie one works particularly well. I'll be honest with you. 
because um, the the person it turns out to be in the movie, to me, doesn't have the bulk required to be the villain. I don't know. What, you know, what do you think? Agreed. Yeah, 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 no, yeah I would yeah. agree with that as well. Um, but it's okay. And, and some, it goes along. A plot twist is a plot twist too far. Yeah, yeah I um, think you're right. Yeah, and they have uh, Catwoman's in it as well in the movie, isn't she as well? Um, and a few other things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the annoying. But it, to be honest, it, it, yeah, I would I would certainly recommend people watch it. Um, or you know, if you've got a spare what, hour and a half, whatever it is, yeah. um, it's and it, and and it happens to be coming on. Yeah, watch it. It's it, it's um, and certainly if you have to be forced to watch between that and Killing Joke, definitely watch oh, this. Oh God, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, utterly, yeah, yeah. As, as the two, and I think that was part of my problem again with with this. And you know, this actually relates to one of the things I was going to talk about. So, you know, you've got things that you say in your head oh it's not as good as I, I thought it was going to be because the thing that came beside it or came after it is actually the thing that wasn't as good and therefore it degrades the quality yeah and i, I do worry a little bit about people who have not read gotham by gaslight you know saying well hang on there's master of the future which isn't as good as gotham by gaslight and then there's all these appearances of earth 19 <laughs> And yeah. let's face it, all the multiverse stuff, yes, it works in one way or another, but it's some it, it's it's overplayed and sometimes you just shoehorn people in together that that, that Yeah that, that don't need shoehorned together. Yeah, it's almost like um, they feel bad about some writer they've included his characters so they get a world and you know, oh Jeff Johns is hot at the moment, so there's gotta be a world with Star Girl in it or something, you know. There's a bit of that going on. Um, yeah, but but yeah, or it's just like, what, where's the MacGuffin? Well, we'll we'll, we'll shove it into being you know, the, that's the Batman that they meet. You know, yeah. Well, which will why I, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute. But to me, sometimes Elseworlds it, overall fall into that. Let's make oh, Batman yeah. a vampire, you know, and shit like that. There's a bit of that going mm. on, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to mention is Jack the Ripper does appear in three other Elseworlds books. He appears in Batman Two Faces, JLA, The Island of Doctor Moreau, and Wonder Woman Amazonia, as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was he became popular. You you knew what happened there. I'm sure you know. Oh, that was popular. Let's <laughs> put Jack the Ripper in everything. But yeah, he appears. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, anything else you want to talk about around Gotham? By Gaslight, dude. No, I think we have to remember as well yeah. when you and I picked this up. There were very few prestige formats. Yeah, that's the reason I bought right. it, my friend. This... Yeah. We are back to talking about the sweet spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, this was late 1989. Uh, and this meant that when this came out, it was a big deal. Yeah. And I mean, you've got to appreciate up, it was you know, a big deal because uh, uh, we, we'd never seen an Elseworlds before. So we weren't buying it because it was Elseworlds. And we'd never, yeah. we'd probably not really, although I'd bought Cosmic Odyssey, I'd not really seen Magnolia. It wasn't quite the name. So I wasn't buying yeah. it for that. I was buying it because it was Batman and it was a prestige format. I'll be honest with you, they're the yeah. two reasons, you know, carrying on from Dark yeah. Knight, I suppose. So, you know, it, it was, you know, so it was a very important book for that perspective as well as being, you know, it's it's not it's not another Arkham Asylum. Here's a hardcover that you need to, to spend a lot of money on. Yeah. But it was, you know, this is a, somebody's made the effort of saying this is good enough to put as a standalone book, do it as a standalone book, and that's important. Yeah. Um. So I think you know, and and it does carry that weight. Um. I'm saying it's not an expensive book. My version still says I, I don't know the, the you say you got the UK price sticker. Yeah, mine says two pound forty five. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Happy days. Those are the days. Yeah. <laughs> um, the a question to you then. The final question that I have for you around this book is: Is it? You now this is a question I might ask around a few different versions of characters we we're going to talk about tonight. But is it Batman? 
Yes. Yes, I yes, agree. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. It's the essence of Batman, isn't it? Mm. Yep. Hundred percent. Because it, this is a detective tale of somebody trying to work out, as you say, a proper whodunit. Yeah. And then using the the Batman costume because he wants to create a presence and not be known as Bruce Wayne solving crimes. Yes. So it's all all of that fits in that piece, and it's dark and gritty. And he's got the heart of Batman, isn't he? There's that. Yeah. The character is there still, isn't it? Which doesn't always appear with 100%. this. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Now, we're going to talk a bit about the wider Elseworlds, and we've each chosen a couple, or at least one to talk about. Did you want to read out the Elseworlds thing that you had ready? Because we both had this ready, but I think I'll let you do it, sir. So, when, um, as I understand it, it was Daniel Neal that came up with the, um, the name Elseworlds. Oh, okay. And we realised that um, Goth by Gaslight sold really well, so let's do more of them. Yeah. Um, and, and other things. And he also wrote the, the introduction that appears in certainly all the hardcovers and in quite a few of the other pieces, okay. which basically states that in Elseworlds, heroes are taken from their usual settings and put into strange times and places, some that have existed and others that can't, couldn't or shouldn't exist. The result is stories that make characters who are as familiar as yesterday seem as fresh as tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, there's a man so. who came from Madison Avenue. <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah and it has spawned many yeah there's i i haven't counted but there's well over 100 aren't there versions i think once you sort what of what amazed me actually that it, it's been 10 years since the last or more than 10 years since the last one. Oh right what was <laughs> the last one? Oh, no you're asking okay uh, it was more the fact i was using the fact that uh we can find out. Uh, we can find out. Yeah, but it, but it, it, it's been. It was like, because um, it, it, they they stopped really in the mid two thousands. Yeah. Um, as being a thing, and then and Dan Dido brought back a couple that were were slightly later on than that. Okay. In terms of Superman, Batman, the saga of the Super Sons and stuff like that was oh, slightly of later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a lot and, on my um, um, I've got a lot on Comicsology here, and there's nothing. I'm not looking at anything that's later than 2005 at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think I think it's some of the generations and stuff like that, which okay. was the, the John Byrne stuff. Again, sometimes they'd start dropping the Elseworlds title with it as well so it gets a little bit you know but it but it but like, let's say it was late to, or the mid to late 2000s that's 12 years ago at least right yeah. possibly 15 years ago i was actually surprised by that because i maybe it's just me going oh no else will still come out of course they do <laughs> yeah um yeah. but you're right so between the period though of 89 and and 2005 say there are several hundred that, that that they did. Yeah. Now, they were of differing levels of quality. Yeah. Featured uh, an array of DC characters, but primarily focused on on the the big two plus the Justice League. Yeah, mostly um, it's Batman, Superman. Um, I think Batman's probably got the biggest number, followed by yeah. Superman. There's the odd there's the odd Wonder Woman thing, and then there's a lot of Justice League. Sort of Booster Gold will appear as a marshal or a cowboy or something occasionally, and then that sort of thing. There's a couple of Green yeah. Lantern ones, aren't there? There's it. Um, Eagles yeah. Might, I think, which is quite a good one. Yeah. And then in 1994, as they used to do, where every um, title got its own uh, on annual, every annual that year. That DC did was a was an oh, asshole. Of course, title. that's right. Yeah, which you can get a collection of on Comicsology as well. Yeah, which is pretty right. cool. 
Um, yeah, so the, you know, I think that's and that again, that's when you start to look. How many times can you go and milk the cow? Yeah. Um, in, in terms of new ideas, because it is the right. You know, if you've had Batman as a vampire, you've had Batman as a pirate, you've had him <laughs> as a set in the, the middle, you know, the, the 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 wild west. You've had um, some of them are so outrageous. I find them intriguing. And one I read over the weekend was Superman: War of the Worlds. And I just found it totally intriguing because it's kind of the old Superman character, you know, like the Golden Age versus right. all the world. And, like, oh, and it kind of works, you know. But it's always that one trick, isn't it? So Speeding Bullets is what if Superman grew up in Gotham, essentially, and became Batman. Yeah. Um, there's always a tw- like that that one twist, isn't there? Um, well, the, the obvious one with Superman one is, is simply what if he landed in a different, either a different time zone. Yeah, like Red Sun or, or yeah. Yeah, or a different different part of the planet. So yeah, it is that. What if, what if it wasn't nineteen thirties Kansas? What if it was? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get know, onto that in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> something else. Yeah. But you're right. You know, Red Sun is one of the ones where it was, and this is you know there are certain high water marks. Now you you've talked about Batman um, being a vampire, not necessarily being one of your favourite things. Oh, the but art actually, was great I, in that. Yeah, I, I think. Well, and again, here's one of the interesting things: Batman Red Rain which is the first of the Batman hardcovers where Batman fights the vampire and becomes a vampire by the end of it. It's very good. There were two follow-up hardbacks to that, uh, Bloodstorm and Crimson Mist. That's right, yeah. Um, and I think there was actually a fourth. Wasn't there a Batman Convergence and... issue or something like that, I'm going to say? I, I, I'm, I'm just going to stick with the, the okay. hardcovers now. But, but, but I think Batman the Joker Wild or something like that is also, because I think it's also Kelly Jones. Right. Now, and Clearly, it'd gone wrong by that point because that was the point where you had a hardcover that came with a full um, holographic foil cover, <laughs> right? So you knew by that point, oh my god, we've gone too far. But I actually, if if Red Rain had been done and nothing had followed it, I actually think Red Rain would be considerably better thought of. I think okay. it's actually diluted by the fact yeah, I think that you're right, man. followed it, you went, I'm bored of this now, or this is just you know, you're you're ringing this to death. Um, my my likening to that is the Matrix movies, yep. where you, everyone said, you know, the Matrix movie when it first came out, everyone was like, this is brilliant. And if they'd left it alone, everyone would have just still remembered it as being, you know, a game changing, uh, good sci fi romp. Yeah, it'd be a classic problem now. We'd we, look back on it as a classic, yeah, wouldn't we? Yeah. 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 Problem is when you sit down and watch it now, you're the whole time you're going, oh my god, they did two after this, didn't they? <laughs> and that. And that drags down your viewing quality of the first. It's much like for a long period of time, people watching Star Wars and going, oh my God, they did prequels to this. People moan about Star Wars. Um, I've not heard that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's a case of, it, it, it's, you're, you're doing down the, 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 the first appearance purely because you know what comes next. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure if you read it for the first time, um, or went back, and to be fair, it's been a long time since I've read Red Rain. Um, Me too. I think I've only sure read it actually, once, to be fair. Yeah. You know, I think you'd actually enjoy it probably more now because you've forgotten about the follow-ups. Yeah. Than, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. I like. I do like the art in it. I have to say, it's very good art, and uh, it was quite a hot book at the time. A lot of these were hot books, weren't they? There's, there's the odd one that pops up, especially the early ones that were quite hot, like Red Sun was hot and The Nail was hot, and yeah, there was a few. Yeah. Let me ask you a few questions then, and we're going to focus in on a couple. We've each chosen a couple to talk about. So, in a, in a world now, Al, that is hugely continuity heavy uh, and, and is dependent on, you know, leaping between event to event and everything sort of following on, 
and us fans are being dragged along. Do you think that these little interludes, these sort of strange curios, are a little too throwaway to survive now? Do you think they they would be taking a chance on it and people go, well, this isn't in continuity. Do you know? Do you think we're too obsessed with that? Maybe. Um. DC certainly is at the moment, yeah, because of the reintroduction of the the multiverse and everything, yeah, and trying to you know nothing can't happen unless it's got an Earth number against it, and that's that's wrong in my opinion. I think it's there is still scope out there to do perhaps an anthology of shorter stories that that work, yeah. So. Well, not an Elseworlds book. The two books that came out that were the Bizarro comics. Yes, which I very much like uh, those. Yeah, you know, and they had people like where, Peter Baggin and these sort of people, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they, they they chose to do those stories with more alternative comic artists, and therefore it's it's more different comics you know, art styles. But essentially, you know, it gets away with itself because it's lots of little short stories. I think you would really struggle at the moment to do uh, a big hardcover. Um, you know, an, an 80 page hardcover of um, Batman teams up with Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, or um, Green, you know, Green Lantern's uh, a cruise line singer. You know, there's all the, you know, I'd like to, I would like to see them go yeah. nuts, but yeah, I wonder whether the market's and, there for it. And, and it's, well, the thing is, I think as well, it's also, I think the writers, or the, the way the marketplace is now, if you're a writer who has that idea, it's probably easier to say well actually you know what i don't want to be held by the constraints of the character so i'll just write a really good story about a cruise liner and um <laughs> the, the the person who's yeah. solving crimes on it and i think that's and what's happening I'll take it to image rather yeah. than take it to dc and say oh i want this to be you know selena kyle's the the the, the stage singer on you know um and you know so i think there there is i actually think the replacement that. for elseworlds is the ya novels that are coming out at the moment because they're not yeah. they're not held down by I mean Christ Almighty you and I read comics every single day we 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 post and chat about comics every single day but if somebody said to me can you explain to me the continuity of Juggernaut at the moment I go right you might need to give me an hour on that one do you know what I mean it's like that and I think there's a lot of writers who are walking into this who aren't necessarily big big comic fans like us who are going can't I just write about Starfire's sister or something you know it's a bit of that going on. You know, I haven't really thought about it, but you're right. Those those YA books that that they're being put out. You know, the I've read a couple of them as well. You know, the, the one of the Batgirl books was really, you know, okay, it was meant meant for a younger reader, so I, I, you know, I could take it for that. But you know, they're they're doing a Swamp Thing one. They're doing a, did that, a uh, Raven Batman one, one, didn't they? That a Christian did, Christian Wildgoose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, there's 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 the Mister Freeze one that's that's out as well. All of which are are basically Elseworlds. Um, yeah. But but you know again but written for a younger audience to be much more accessible and I see younger audience it's a you know it's a young adult audience isn't it so it's um you know it, it is that yeah this is accessible you don't need to know twenty years forty years worth of continuity to get yeah. to this or what earth you're on at this point in time and you know that that that's probably where that now sits and where that where that well, goes maybe they're and missing a trick man. Books. you know maybe they're missing a trick with these books that's what people want. They want that mm. nice evergreen title that does isn't weighed down by having to read every single Justice League comic that's out there. Yeah. yeah. Now this this leads into my next question for you. Um, a, a bit of a devil's advocate question. With the Elseworlds books, we got we saw characters in different realities, you know, different universes. Hasn't DC since at least the seventies 
been a universe of Elseworlds anyway. And I would quote, for example, um, Watchmen or Peacekeeper or the you know the Charlton heroes when they came over um, or the Impact heroes. You know, it's kind of rea different realities anyway, which is why they bend in. Okay. So I, I think that I'm going to say yes and, and no to that. Okay. In that, I think, and this is where we, we need Pete Watson to come and join us yeah, yeah, yeah. for a bit. Yeah, we do. Yeah. In that, because I think it, it starts off by saying, look, the, the, it, the Justice Society and the Justice League are essentially two sides of the same coin, but they couldn't put them together until they decided to invent Earth 2. Yeah, and say, all right, oh, actually, we can we can have them coexisting, but we've we've created this this barrier between it, so that we can have stories that are out of continuity with each other, but in continuity within themselves. Um, and I think the the problem that that DC's ended up with, particularly with things like Watchmen recently, and don't get me wrong, I actually thoroughly enjoyed Doomsday Clock as an actual yeah, it's a great um, book, actual story. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of that, all they've done is say, right, so it's now part of the, the broader DC universe, you know, and I think it's, you know, they, they went to all that length in 1985 to say, look, this has become too complex. Let's break it all down. Just have one earth. And then, so, then they know, did it. Then they burst with post infinite crisis. We got it all changed again, didn't we? Yeah. You know, um, and, and I, and I think that the problem that DC's got is that, and I presume death metal is going to be this even worse again. Um, it, it is that whole point about saying, yeah, you, you, you're right. It is all these disparate pieces, but we're going to try and overlay an interconnectivity with it. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with a, a number of the else worlds. And Gotham Gaslight is a good example of this, where it was perfectly fine as a standalone thing. It didn't need to be Earth 19. It exactly. just yeah. could have been left alone. With its, with its you know, nothing wrong with Master of the Future, as I say. So you did a book, you did a follow-up, fine. Done, packaged away, off you go. Um, and it's like, because I think one of the most influential Elseworlds, because it came out as an Elseworld and then was one of the ones that was quickest to be reconned into being continuity, is actually Kingdom Come. Yeah, yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah. Where, you know, to me, it, it, it's... A, it perhaps suffered from its own success there. They, they, they produced a very, very good book, and they suddenly went, actually, yes, that gives us an ending to the to the DC universe in a way. So how do we make that be part of the thing? Yeah. We you know, and it's about stopping it from being an you know, so we'll stop it from being an Elseworlds. We'll make it part of the the continuity, uh, or part of the the, the interconnectivity of, of DC, and that way it, it, it's brought it in. And yeah. you know those are where the problems are. That that to me is a lot of the issues with with DC is, is their unwillingness to say things are disparate. You know it, there is a desire to make everything interconnected in some way. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, I do, I do get you. And I think the problem with the thing maybe that DC did that is because DC was a collection of universes. When it, you know, when you look at they took Force it on and yeah you know, this sort of thing, yeah. it is a collection of different areas of comics. But yeah, no, that's true. So let's move on to um, let's pick a couple. So let's. Uh, do you want to go first with one you just like to mention? Give it, give it a couple of minutes of mentioning and yeah, yeah. So I um I picked up off the shelf Batman in Nine Lives. Oh yeah. Um, which is an Elseworlds production by Dean Motter and Michael Lark. Now, one of the reasons I picked this up off the shelf is that this is a hardcover book that um, came out in two thousand two. Uh, and is the only, to my not well, I think the only Batman 
hardcover out by in DC from a that's in standard comic book size, that's produced in landscape <laughs> rather than portrait. Yeah. And therefore, I'm always left looking at it on the shelf going, where is it supposed to go in this shelf? Because it can't really go in chronological order because it stands out wrong. It needs to go at one end, or does it go with all the other landscape books or, or whatever? And I say this as somebody who produces landscape books, that's and true. therefore yeah, I, yeah. I probably I, I upset a lot of people in the same <laughs> way, but that's you know, hey hope. Um, so what what is Nine Lives? Um, Nine Lives is a twisted tale of putting Batman into a 1940 setup. It's um, come as no surprise to you. It's a pulp book, and that's why I like it. In that it's a, a detective PI tale. Right, where Batman features in it, but the the primary character that you follow throughout it is actually um, Dick Grayson, who is a private investigator, former policeman, but has um, lost it at that that job and therefore has a, a big falling out with um, with Commissioner Gordon as a result, right. despite the fact that he still employs Barbara Gordon as his um, his secretary in the PI firm, which is is kind of just her wanting to rub her father's nose in it right. and, and stuff. Um, the book's written in, in sort of a lot of short chapters as well, which again is very sort of 1940s pulp yeah, piece. Yeah, isn't it? You know, it really yeah. relates to that sort of radio piece of going, oh, a little bit of a story. It's even know, very sort of story. Donald Westlake and stuff like that, the way he does punchy chapters. Yeah, I like yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, now, the art style was Michael Locke. Right. Yeah, it's so yeah. it's, it's, it's great. Um, and, it, you know, it's quite year one ish in terms I was, of. I was his... literally about to say that. Yeah, it's got that. Um, uh, year one, there's a lot of sort of Kelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a sort of um, shadow through slatted windows, and there's that sort of thing going. Yeah. You know, l- lamps shining only on portions of the rooms and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And they play, you know, so there, there's not a lot of the main bat villains appear here, but they're all twisted versions of themselves. So it's the penguin is still um, known as that because he's you know the businessman that always dresses up in in, in tails and, and like the jokers in there, but he's more he's just one of the hoodlums who runs a poker game and isn't very good at it and tries to get out of things by by, by making jokes and stuff. The riddler's there, but he's actually um, an accountant for the bank and what he's been doing is riddling the books to to, to get the money and stuff. So there's there's all that sort of stuff. And again, it's a it's a bit of a whodunit and yeah. a bit of a you know a, a noir pulp tale of um, you know and it's you know it's beautiful to look at, beautiful story in terms of things. It's not the strongest Batman story. Okay, it could e- yeah. as easily you know they, they they've gone to the lengths of making sure all the Bat villains appear appropriately and have have their appearances and they've got nice interplay with gordon and 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 stuff and you know but maybe it is because the primary character in it is dick grayson so it's you know the the batman appearances in it are are, are quite secondary in in that yeah um but that's i kind of like that i kind of like that fresh approach that's what i expect from an elseworlds you know Mm. i don't mind that I, i haven't read this since it came out and um I didn't reread it for tonight, although I did read it a shitload of the Elseworlds. But yeah, I have fond memories of it of being that little oasis of that kind of noir story, and it was done, and I walked away from it, and I kind of like that, you know. Yeah, and you know, it's it, it's a perfect one and done, nice hardcover book of going, yeah, I've got it in there. That's Batman in the 1940s, meets um, you know, crossed with the the, the PI storylines of that you would expect of. Um, of that that era as well, and and it's 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 just lovely from that perspective. And you know, 
Um, and I would highly recommend it to anyone that's looking for an, you know, an, a, a different Batman alternative history. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was the, stuff, the main one that I picked up and, and flicked through. Yep. Now, hold into your hats because I told you what I was talking about and you said, fucking yeah. hell, here we go. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> True Brit. Written by Kim Johnson and John Cleese. Although at one point, John, Cle- I think there's a comment about John Cleese helps out with the script, I believe is the phrase that's used. Art by, get this, John Byrne and Mark Farmer. Uh, colours by Axe, Alex Blayert. Now, Alex, you've clearly never seen a game of cricket in your life, my friend. Because <laughs> people who play cricket in, uh, in, in long games of cricket do not wear purple jumpers. I'd like to point that out to you. So, this is a, a proper reimagining of superman this is the famous cover of the superman s on top of a union jack superman lands in western supermare um and kal-el is rescued by a couple who look like they're extras from on the buses um there is throughout it an ongoing joke where they keep moving and not telling him that they've moved um so they keep at one point they move to the north pole and he still finds them and they're going oh didn't we tell you we'd moved son you know it's a bit like that um the <laughs> The, it's it's just a series of Cleese and Byrne getting their frustrations out about various things, I'm going to say. So there's an ongoing storyline about... So so obviously he wants to be a journalist, doesn't he? Clark, um, or is he, I think he's called Colin in this, Colin Clark. Um, he turns up and he obviously, being, being England, he goes and works for a red-top newspaper who are just all about sleaze um, and about, you know... Uh, um, Jimmy Olsen is climbing down on a rope so he can take a picture of a woman in the shower and stuff like that. And um, it's Cleese getting his frustrations out about the, you know, the nonsense of the British tabloid journalism as it used to be circa 1990s, you know. Um, There's, uh, at one point, Mum says to him, I mean, they look like, they look like something out, They honestly, they look like comedy characters out of, um, out of just a a 60s sitcom from the UK. And she says, she says, don't use your powers in public, you know, Colin. Because they might think you're a mutant, and he just that's that's Byrne just getting his frustrations out on the page yeah. again, you know, or an elephant man, and they have a phrase that keeps going all the way through it. They keep re- repeating ad infinitum. What would the neighbours think? WWTNT. They keep saying that all the way through. Um, Mum wants him to be a postman, but he decides to be a journalist. It's absolutely full of one-liners. He, he when he says he wants to be a journalist, his dad's quite pleased, and his dad says, "You might meet one of those girls they put on page three, son." It's like that, you know. Uh, the love is interest, although at one point later on you discover Lois Lane appears, but the love interest at the start of it is called Louisa Lane Ferret. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, but at one point they go, fancy a bit of cricket, Clark. We're going down the pitch. Uh, and the rather than in white, they're all in orange. All their cricket whites are in orange. And the opponents are wearing um, yellow with purple tank tops. Um, at which point... Spoilers, he throws a cricket bat. He's, he gets a bit carried away because this is played for laughs, by the way, this comic. It's not, it's not serious. So he, he gets a bit frustrated and a bit confused with his powers. So rather than hitting the ball, he managed to throw the cricket bat, which goes through the bowler and is sticking through the guts of the bowler. But because it's too dangerous to take out, they leave it in there. Um, now, have you read this, by the way, dude? Have you read this one? I, I read it when it came out. Okay, yeah. Now, I, <laughs> can, you may not be able to remember because it's, it, do you know what I mean? It's like a fucking acid trip, most of it. But the, um, now let's th- let's imagine what's happened here. So the man's got a cricket bat sticking out of him. It's, it was sticking all the way through him. What could he possibly be called? He's called Batman. 
Fucking hell. You see, I remember thinking at the time, who is this book for? <laughs> because, <laughs> it, yeah, it does have something, you know, it's probably I got, stuff in it now I'd find funnier than I did there. Yeah, I got, I got halfway through it thinking, what is this nonsense? And then suddenly it was just so fucking ridiculous. I kind of thought, I'm actually quite enjoying this. It's nothing to yeah. do with anything. You know, as an Elseworld, just you know, the character, you know, he's called Superman, but that's about it, really. Um, yeah. And he's he's just going, Cleese is just going full barrels, both barrels for the British press. Um, yeah. The uh, he saves, <laughs> at one point he saves the Eiffel Tower, just randomly the Eiffel Tower is falling down, so he goes and saves it, and he's waving at the locals who are down below, and the locals are wearing berets and hooped tops, and I'm sure if yeah. he managed to close up on them, they'd have onions around their necks. It's that sort. Of. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing, you know. Um, and Superman, rather than um, tackling supervillains or monsters or spaceships or meteors, he tackles the trains running late and hospital waiting lists. No word of a lie. That's what happens. Um, there's a character in it called Mr. White Badger, and he's clearly just a Murdoch analogue. And because at one point he says, I was just bought BBC Two. Um, they've named David Beckham Man of the Millennium. You know, it's, it's just full of Cleese's acerbic, you know, jokes, yeah. really. There's no real structure in it. Um, the villain in it is is essentially mainstream media, um, and uh, yeah, which again is fine. And as I say, to me, it was that whole what, who does it because I don't believe that that humour necessarily translates. Yeah, as I think well. that's the thing. Yeah, this could if, they, um, if it was more concentrated in story, you could put this as a two pager every month in Viz. Uh, well, this is exactly what I was going to say. Right. In yeah, that, yeah. if because if you look at some of the there's. Um, Stevie White up here does uh, a, a strip that's called, is it called The Windsor? I can't remember. Right. Basically, it's the royal family. He he used to draw Urwilly. So, so he basically draws the royal family in the format of Urwilly. Right, and, okay. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that for it. And it, it's, again, you're thinking, yeah, it's a nice small snippet of being proper satirical humour. You can, you know, sometimes you can take a joke too far and it's, it just loses its humour as a result. And I just wondered if True Brits in that. A that little bit, man. Kind of go, a little bit. I, I kind of, I kind of dug it. I'm, I, do you know what? I owned the hardback and I bought it. No, tell you, tell you a lie. This made me remember it. It was bought for me, um, because it was by John Cleese and it was comics. And everyone, you mm. know, it's just one of those easy. I, I reckon it sold a few yeah. for that reason. Uh, and it yeah. was bought for me, and I never read it. And then I read it on the digital the other day when I was in the office. So that's how that's how I read it. And it's um, <laughs> it's it's Burn as well though, because I love Burn. Burn, yeah. Burn's got a real a real skill at doing comedy. I think I don't think we perhaps explored his sort of um, elasticated faces of you know extreme emotion and laughter and pain and you know and he he really caricatures a lot of this. There's a lot. There's a couple of sexy models in it and. Yeah, there's a couple. Well, you know, that, that's why Burn worked really well on, on She-Hulk. Yeah, that's, that's that, very that, true. That was, yeah, you know, yeah. for the humour for that. Yeah, 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 that is really true, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as, um, do you know what? If if it was a Christmas present, read it. It's all right. I've got to tell you, I quite liked it. Um, did you want to mention one more? Did we want to talk a little so, bit about Cal? Or... Let, let, let's, yeah, yeah. Let's see, the, the, the last one we'll probably talk about is, is Superman Cal, which you posted a... a, a picture of yesterday on, on Twitter and yeah. caused me to go and do some heavy lifting in the loft <laughs> 20 comics box later as I was like it must be in here somewhere uh, finally found it so Cal is um, produced by two of the greatest well it, yeah. it's Dave Gibbons is on writing right yeah 
So it's interesting from that perspective. I know he's a huge fan of the, the, the artist in this. I, I imagine he wanted to work with him, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then, so the art is by Mr. DC. Yeah. The, you know, anybody who has any piece of DC merchandising post-1982 owns a piece of um, art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yeah. Um, apologies for my accent. Um, and And this is... Superman, what if he landed in um, the Court of King Arthur type type effect, yeah. uh, or certainly in the medieval Maybe, times? Yeah. And uh, the you know the baddie is the the Baron who happens to be Luther by by another name, and you know it, it essentially it works through the fact of you know it, it's it's that medieval storyline of you've got the Baron who's the baddie and the young lad in in the village. Goes up to, to you know as the blacksmith, the blacksmith yeah, boy classic blacksmith yeah yeah you know to tackle the um to to tackle the baron um I have to say there's a scene in the middle here which I was um really shocked to reread okay and it's maybe um page thirty eight okay where so Cal marries Lois Lane but the you know in the medieval tradition of well, if the Lord of the Manor, yeah, um, yeah I'm looking at that now. The, yeah, the the night of the um of the of the of the wedding, the Lord of the Manor can take the wife and have his way. Um, I should point out that the, the he um, Luther has a kryptonite stone. That's why he he's able to to overpower um Superman at various points in this. Yeah, but essentially you've got the behind the door over rape scene, isn't it? Essentially, uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 maybe it's just with um. Game of Thrones, um, or post Game of Thrones viewing it, 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 it you know, it just, yeah, it, pretty hard. And pretty there's a, harsh bl- there's a lot of blood on show, you know, it's, it's, this, this wouldn't, yeah. have, I can't imagine this is a comics code book, is it? I'm guessing. No, uh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. He says quickly, turning over. No. Um, but, uh, you know, and to, you know, so Cal then goes on and, I guess, you know, breaks into the castle and fights his way through. And, um, I, I love the fact that he gets covered in, um, in molten metal and you know so becomes the man of steel yeah. at that point as well um the and, detail and, on these yeah. pages man the absolute mastery of every page but it's still it's medieval but it's still superhero-y there's a couple of moments of him yeah. striding through the town he's got that that superman chest doesn't he and uh yeah. the, the the townsfolk around him peerless isn't he absolutely peerless absolutely gorgeous stuff yeah mm. have you ever met garcia lopez yeah so it was a, was an odd one in uh, at the Baltimore Con. Oh yeah, keep going back to this morning, where we popped outside, or I joined Mr. Turner outside as he was taking some fresh air, right? Um, or or going for a cigarette, as we would say. Yeah. And um, just at that moment, um, Garcia Lopez also came out to have a and like a uh, c- I'm going to call cigarello it a cigarello. Sh- yeah, that's it. I was yeah. going to say a cheroot. Yeah, that's that, you know that's how I met him as well. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Out the back of New York Comic Con, that's where I met him smoking. He was yeah. standing having so, and I had bought a page of art, which I bought a page from um, from one of the art dealers, and it was a Jim Apparel page, and I did not know who had inked it. Okay. And it was it was in a big it was a clear plastic bag that I was holding it in, and Garcia Lopez came over and said, "Can I have a look at that?" And I went, "Of course you can." And I was like, "I actually wasn't sure if you were one of the, you were possibly the inker." 
Um, and he he confirmed he was not the inker. Right. But that was you know, but it was a case of you know it was really nice that he came over to have a look at the artwork that I'd bought that was you know and a Jim Apparel page and and all that sort of stuff. And we you know just had a, a small chat around that. Um, and he was just a really nice guy. He's quite then, he's you know, quite um he's got a heavy accent, hasn't he? I met him at yes. the um, I first met him at the Heroes Initiative table in New York, and then. I was out chatting to someone, I think it was Harrow, I was out chatting to Harrow outside and he was about at the back and I sort of had a quick chat with him out there as well. Um, but yeah, he does. He puts in his time on the Heroes Initiative table, I have to say, he was a good egg on that. And there was, mm. they had some art, some design stuff by him, like, you know, that front side back view of characters that was going so, for about $250, something like that, I'm going to say, which seemed pretty reasonable. Yeah, and depending which characters it was, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The yeah, so yeah, at, at some point, and I know that um, IDW or Scott Dewey or at least has made comment that he would love to produce it. Yeah, so in, nine, yeah. in yeah in nineteen eighty two, DC produced what they called their style guide, which was essentially all of the logos, um, some of which were done by Todd, um, Todd Klein, but. Uh, all of the logos and all of the characters put into costume, as you say, the, that sort of 360-degree turnarounds of, of the characters, a lot of the settings, whether it be the, the Justice League Hall or, or whatever. Um, and it was all done by Garcia Lopez as the DC style guide. And it was put out to, to creators as a folder. Now, you yeah. can find all of the artwork on Facebook um, if um, if you go looking for it, it's quite quite readily available to to, to flick through there. Okay. But they it, they they should do it as an artist edition. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. And, and as I say, that style guide was the basis for every single piece of DC merchandising from probably from eighties two through to the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, and still stuff today. If you see anything that looks like a retro Wonder Woman, it's his design. Yep. Um, I feel uh, I feel like one day we may be talking Cinder and Ash, my friend. I feel uh, mm. I feel that's uh, mm-hmm. a much a much forgotten book that's amazing, yeah. Mm. But this this really is this was a high point. I downloaded ten fifteen Elseworlds and I was sort of working my way through them and some of them are a bit patchy. I'll be honest with you, you know. Um, yeah. But this one I was like fucking hell. This is amazing. It's just the best thing. I think it's I think it's done a slight disservice by the slightly underwhelming cover i'll be honest with you it is yeah. yeah you know what it reminds me of a cover of one of the old oversized hardbacks okay that you know what i mean the ones that used to be uh, sort of like like a leather cover thing you mean yeah, yeah. well yeah but um it's more that sort of a4 size that they oh i know they, yeah i know yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. when when dc first did its whole array there what was there was there was the fourth world one as well and that sort of stuff. But okay. in that, yeah. um, again, where the covers were more done to look like books, but with a, a spot image on them. Yeah. And I can see what they're going for in this. They're going for that sort of medieval book cover thing, aren't they? Illuminated text of Superman and Cal with like that but there's a, little there's bit a of a printing print on the cover there type thing that, that would work as a poster. And you're, it's been shrunk down. It really has. It really has. Piece in the corner, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But Gibbons is yeah. great. I, Gibbons is underrated as a writer as well. I have to say, I really, really enjoy yeah. writing stuff. And and I, I know, um, I, I spoke to him once, Gibbons, about um, why you know, I think someone said to him, "Why did you do that book with Stan Lee?" And he says, "Because I wanted to do a book with Stan Lee." And I get imagine that Dave was in a, such a position there, he could go, "I'd love to work with," uh, da, 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 you know. And they go, yeah. "There you go." And I think that that I'm yeah. guessing because I know he, having he's spoken very highly of Garcia Lopez to me, and I think yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't know an artist that won't speak highly of him. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. There's a number of people I've actually spoken to about him and they've all gone, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Nice one, mate. That was... Um, any other little... Do you want to give any worthy mentions to anything? One last worthy mention okay. is, um, if you can find it, the Elseworld 80-page giant. Yes, yeah. The, for a while, possibly the rarest book I owned right, okay. by accident. Um, so this was a book that was produced in 1999. And this is a story point made it rare is that right yes yeah. well what, what made it rare was that as it was being published somebody upstairs in dc read it and went what the hell are you doing and they pulped the whole now run. i own this and i can't remember what it was i'm I, am i wrong in saying it was a baby in a blender or some something well yeah so they, yeah. they pulped the whole run but what they forgot was the fact that two days prior to that they'd sent over something like two thousand copies to the uk and yeah. ireland yeah <laughs> so so we got it the con- comic shops were contacted to say don't put this out on the shelf and they went yeah right yeah um and we all bought it yeah um and yeah so halfway through the- there's two things that are in this book that are, are a bit dodgy one is halfway through is there's a kyle baker storyline um which essentially ends up being um an invisible not invisible um incredibles storyline in, in terms of the second movie where the, the baby is being babysat. So this is baby Clark Kent. Right. This is this bell, yeah. Yeah. And uh, something we looked after. Obviously, the babysitter doesn't know what to do. And halfway through, she realised that the, the kid's kind of disappeared. And obviously, the kid's got all the superpowers and all that stuff. And the baby ends up inside the microwave. That's right. right? Yes, I, yes, so I forgot that. Yeah. Baby in a microwave, That's right? That's right, yeah. Of course, I do it that. I does do no it. harm to, to Clark Kent. <laughs> well, because they went, you can't, well, you can't put both But there's also... Yeah. But the thing is, that story was later reproduced in the Bizarro hardcovers. That's right, yeah. Now, right? yeah, that's so, right. Yeah. At the time, obviously, it was that. But the other thing is, at the back of the Elseworlds 80 page giant, they do a number of homages to um, sort of a crossover of the sort of 1940s, 50s, 60s covers with. Um, artwork of um, you know classical pieces of artwork and you end up with a naked batman and robin in one of them <laughs> yeah yeah so it was whether it was baby in the microwave or naked batman and robin being a little bit suggestive dc of, um, dc were fucking up all over the place around this time because this was around the time that we got the um the two characters in the authority kissing didn't we you got married and it didn't mm. that that got changed in the trade didn't it do you remember and it was yeah it was yeah, yeah. they weren't particularly forward thinking so, It was one of those two things that caused the the book to get pulped, or a combination of all of it, um, as I say. But the super baby in the microwave, which is is almost a scene that ends up in the second Incredibles movie, when they have the baby. Right, I get you. Um, and uh, it, it, it's, or and it, it's worth picking up if you can ever find it. So that's, cool. that would be my other worthy mention. Yeah, I've got just a very quick worthy mention, which is Superman's Metropolis, written by Randy Lossifier, Jean-Marc Lossifier, and Roy Thomas. Art by Ted McKeever. Uh, Ted McKeever's a class act, isn't he? You know, he's got that very strange style, but some, you know, just really works and sort of a melange of colours and shapes and stuff. And it's Clark Kent is one of the privileged... Um, and Lana is one of his pleasure maidens, and it's um, basically Metropolis told through the lens of Clark and Superman and stuff like that. Um, and there's there's that class structure, you know, Brave New World kind of class structure going on in it, and it's it's a really beautiful book. You can find it. It is available digitally. I think it's in a collection 
Off the, you know, if you go on Comicsology, there's a, a number of collections. You can't always find all the yeah. Elseworlds, but some of them there's like four in a collection or something like that. It's in one of them, and that's that, that's a really good book. And again, different. They used it. They took the opportunity to do something and experiment, as they did with Gotham by Gaslight, and as they did with a few of them, rather than just like the same old, the, the boring old trope of something. You know, um, yeah, that's a good one as well. Nice one, man. Good stuff. Okay. So I'm just going to uh, yeah. do our advert. We've got a normal advert this week. Um, so this is in relation to the fundraiser that's going on at the Awesome Comics podcast. We thought that Christmas is just around the corner. We might try and raise some money for a worthy charity and at the same time help to promote your project for comic creators, people, small press people out there. We've decided that our favoured charity is Cancer Research UK and that's going to be the preferred one. But if you fancy donating to another worthy charity, we certainly won't say no. So this is how it's going to work. For a donation of £10, we will give your comic project a big shout out on the pod and in our social media. And we've got something of a little bit of a reach there. You know, it's going to reach sort of five, six hundred people on the podcast, etc. Uh, for £20, we'll grab a short 10 minute interview promoting you or a project of your choice. So it will be a 10 minute interview, but you might want to talk about someone else's comics, for example, if you want to do that or you, your own. There's no shame in that at all. For £30, Dan will do you a synthwave pinup. Um, these are really good. He's just on for me. There's, there's limited numbers on that. For £30, Vince will do you a digital pin-up of a single character. Again, limited numbers. And for £30, I'll give you a private critique on a comic-related project of your choice. It has to be something you've done. Um, so they're, they're, they're the, the sort of pledge levels. I have to say that if you want to make a donation um, without, you know, without getting a reward, then you'll be recognised. And I'm looking at one now because Alan Henderson has fallen into he's kindly donated and he's got a hundred percent good egg badge on his skype his skype logo and you'll get a badge um only uh, an online one you don't get a real badge i'm sorry about that as a friend of the show and a good egg hundred percent good egg so if you can it's for a worthy charity all we ask is if you do donate you just forward us your receipt and then we'll know that um that you've donated and we'll be in touch to talk about the reward of your choice if you want to get one but uh yeah people are jumping on it there's it's been really fun actually because we po i posted it 24 hours ago on the facebook page and loads of people i think there's still available as a page by chris imber for 40 quid excellent value those pages normally go for 100 quid uh, ian ashcroft posted a page from spacewalk which went in about five minutes so as the month of december which is when this is going to run goes on we'll be posting extra things um just in the Facebook page, you'll probably retweet, retweet it on Twitter, and you'll be able to um, snap them up. So I've, I know that two things are in the post to me today from our favourite artists. Um, there might be the odd drawn-in, you know, sketched-in book or signed copy of a comic and stuff like that. And it'll all be going on the train. So it's going to be sort of an evolving thing over the month. But these are the main ones, the ones I've just read to you there. So have a look at the Awesome Comics Facebook page. If you're not on Facebook, it will all be repeated on the Twitter page uh, at the awesome pod so find that yeah thanks for that man cheers uh and thanks for donating now that's very kind of you mate no cheers for that as i say we it's a a worthy cause that uh, exactly. touches all of us at uh, a different point in our lives definitely man definitely now you you're mr you're mr painter now i understand it's all paintings <laughs> you're richer than um, rockefeller well no <laughs> <laughs> yeah why not uh, yeah. depends which rockefeller you're talking about yeah um <laughs> the uh, the dime store version. Yeah, yeah no, I've, I've been doing quite a few of the the paintings of um of various characters um again of uh childhood um TV characters of, of my youth and they get um, snapped and, up, man. Yeah. I keep seeing you post them on Twitter, and then they get snapped up quite quickly, don't they? Yeah, Sam the Eel went the other day to um to one of our our our, our good printing friends. Oh, did he? Okay, so I was, yeah. 
Yeah, so that, that's that's you know, it was nice and uh, amongst myself. So yeah, no, they've they've been uh, been going well. Um, uh, up on the, the Penguin um, shop, um, and I got, I got a very nice review this week as well of the last book, which was oh, nice. um, from comicbooknews.co.uk. So I need to give them a wee thank you for that. Oh, good stuff. Um, so yeah. that was, was was really good from for coincidence, uh, which which is was really nice for me because it was somebody who. That was their first reading of, of Penguin, and oh, they got okay. it, and they got it perfectly. Good, and and I was like, yeah, love that. So really pleased. Good stuff. And you're how many away from the next Kickstarter, the next volume? Uh, forty pages. Ah, it won't be long. So uh, done sixty. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's brilliant at the moment because obviously I haven't quite started yet because the, the, there's there's quite a few existing penguin christmas strips right and christmas wouldn't be christmas without repeats so um <laughs> I, I get to take my foot off the gas a little bit with production during december at some point and go i saw some repeats for christmas so that'll be that'll be good for as well it is i mean and that does it is the two ronnies of comic strips you're the penguins <laughs> it does remind me a little bit of that it's got that funny but they're not offensive jokes but they are funny do you know what i mean there's you could i could easily see yeah. four candles making it into uh um making it into a They're, penguin strip yeah yeah there, there is a well there there is a this is my thing i, I always say there's a penguin for every occasion and <laughs> there is um, yeah there, there, is. there is a there is a strip actually where one penguin is standing there holding four candles and he goes i'm sure this joke was meant to be oh, i remember that now yes yeah, so i've read that one right? yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah that's what there is a, a penguin for every occasion <laughs> <laughs> do you think you'll ever leave it do you think you'll ever move on have you got any plans to do something else i i, I would love to i don't know what it is yeah is, is is part of the problem i, I was speaking to, with some friends the other night there and talking about some of these painting things that i've been doing which are all those just standalone character pieces you know yeah. um, individual floating heads mainly for for a lot of the cases and i was saying you know having done so many of them over the past um four or five months you know I, i've worked out a technique now about how to paint those things so what i should actually be doing is taking that to the next stage to say right how can i actually paint a comic page yeah, to tell it, you know, move it away from just being an individual character. So the, I don't know what that story is. I don't know what it, you know, but it's more me saying, keep stretching the techniques and learning yeah. how to just play with the materials. Well, maybe a cover. A cover than, would be nice. A cover's always nice painted, isn't it? I know Adam's just yeah, done one maybe. for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um. And but it's, uh, 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 yeah, it's more about. I'm thinking about you know transition from one. It's most about how to make the same character look the same in four panels yeah. on the one page type thing. Yeah. <laughs> in, but actually doing it through through the medium of paint. But again, that's just me wanting to to learn yeah, the exactly. craft. Yeah. And you know, and the only way you can do that is by doing it. They're cracking, man. I really um, like them. Yeah, they really are good. Yeah, you're going to be doing one because we've got a drink and draw on Friday. You're going to be doing one then, or? Um, I don't know. Um. um... I've already done Santa Claus, so I need to think of something else oh, that's yeah. Christmas related. But I'm sure we'll uh, sure we'll come up with something. Yeah, yeah. snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> Good, nice one, man. Thanks for another great episode. We're going to have a chat in a minute no about worries. the next one. But yep. it, uh, before we go, where can we find you, and where can we find your books? Just go into any form of social media and look for Penguin, and uh, you'll find me that way. And there's links directly there to the the, the shop. So, um, or if you're on Esty, just go for the Penguin. And you'll find us that way. Real. Excellent. Thanks, man. Thank you. Catch you soon.